any of you has a dispute with another, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, appoint as judges, even men of little account in the church. I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute among, between the believers? But instead, one brother goes to law against another, and this in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. Bobbin's got an amazing voice, right? If you've seen this uh, movie, Ten Commandments, there's the scene where God calls Moses, right? Moses, Moses. <laughs> Sounded like that when Bobbin was reading. Thank you, Boba. Good morning, church. Good morning. Come on, a little more louder. Good morning. Good morning. We continue our study in the book of First Corinthians. We have heard Bobbin reading to us from chapter 6. And I hope that each of you are paying attention to this portion of scripture. If all of you could turn your Bibles uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we will, by the Spirit of the Lord, look from verses 1 to verse 11 for our study today. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 to 11. Before we look at this chapter, do you remember what we studied in chapter 5? Yes or no? In one word, what, how would you describe what we studied in chapter 5? Can you tell me? What did we study about? Immorality. We studied about immorality. And for the benefit of those who are visiting us today and for those of us who have not attended the last sermon, if you could just look for a brief few minutes at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we spoke about in detail regarding the sin of sexual immorality. Apostle Paul is not just teaching this topic in the church, but he is dealing with this specific sin, or in particular, he deals with a person living in that sin inside of the church. He's not talking about immorality outside, but he talks of immorality within the church walls. All of us are aware in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there is a man who is living with his stepmom. But even though that man is living in sin, Apostle Paul brings to everybody's mind that they are all responsible for this man's sin. It's not just this man, but as a church, as an assembly of God, they are all responsible for the sin of that man. And that is true not only in the case of the church at Corinth, but that is the case in our churches as well. We are all responsible for each other. 
Not just for the sin of immorality, but for sin in itself. You and I need to be careful about sin in our own lives. And you and I need to be careful about sin that we commit as a church together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there were three things that we looked at. I hope you remember, just to refresh our memory. Number one, we spoke about our attitude towards immorality. In chapter 5 and verses 2, our attitude towards immorality needs to be one of grief. When there is sin in our lives, we must grieve and not become proud. When there is sin in our church, we must grieve and we must not become proud. But rather the church at Corinth, they were happy about the sin that was there. And after the message, I wonder how many of us went back home and looked at our own lives and asked ourselves, do I grieve when I sin? Do we grieve as the church of God? Our attitude towards immorality needs to be one that is of grief. Number two, we spoke about our action towards immorality. Verses six, we spoke about East, getting rid of the East. Children, listen to me very carefully. East is not bad, okay? The East that your mummy uses at home, That's not at all bad, okay? This yeast is something else that we are talking about here. We spoke about how we need to remove the yeast from our lives and clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ because He is the new yeast. His sacrifice for us on the cross has paid the penalty of our sins once and for all. And the action towards immorality needs to be to get rid of that. Whatever sin might be there in our life. Number three, quickly, we spoke about our approach towards immorality. Verses nine onwards. And there we spoke about how we must not associate with those living continually in sin. But rather we spoke about that sensitive word, judge them. And I hope you remember the word judge in chapter five means discipline. And all born again believers who live in habitual sin... All born-again believers who have no remorse over sin must be disciplined by the elders and by the work of the Holy Spirit through God. That is how we ended chapter 5. They must be disciplined because of the remorse that they do not have of the sinful life that they live when they come into God's presence. Now listen very carefully to me. Now in chapter 5, as Apostle Paul closes the chapter on immorality, he takes that word judgment And he explains that in chapter 6. You know why? Because certain members of the Corinth church have taken that word judgment in the wrong sense. They've not only taken that word judge in the wrong sense, they've taken it to that extra level. They've started to look at people with the wrong kind of judgments. They've started to look down on people all because of petty issues that is there in their heart. And because they're not willing to deal with the issues that they have with each other, They would rather want to take it to the court and file lawsuits against them. Now listen very carefully. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Apostle Paul is talking of actual events within the church where believers have issues with each other, where believers cannot resolve these issues and they would file cases against them at the court. You and I may pause and you and I may ask ourselves, does this happen today? It actually does. You would be surprised. I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about born again believers. There are cases that we know. I'm sure some of you might know. Cases of believers filing cases against their own brothers and sisters at the court. Filing lawsuits. You know, it could be probably over property. Probably over money. 
But there are cases that we know of where believers cannot resolve issues and then they take it to the court. There are disputes that are there in the church and because they do not know how to resolve these issues, they would rather go to the court and ask the court to intervene between the problems that is there. About a couple of weeks back, the place that we had traveled to, we had heard about an evangelist, sorry to say that, an evangelist who had filed a suit against his own brother at the court, who had filed a case. And you know what was the reason why they were fighting with each other? It was over property. So it happens. But you know, even though Apostle Paul is talking about lawsuits and how when you quickly scan through, you and I can understand that the underlining factor there is that we must not file suits against each other. I take a moment and I look at CBF. I look at all of us. And I'm sure it's safe to say that none of us have ever filed a case against someone else at the court. Yes? Yes or no? We haven't. And I praise God for that. But as we read this chapter, I want to ask ourselves another important question. How do we resolve disputes amongst each other? They did not know how to resolve disputes and that's the reason why they went to the court. How do you and I resolve disputes that we have with each other? If given a chance, would we, would we be willing to take somebody to the court? That's the question we want to ask ourselves. How do you and I Resolve disputes amongst each other. Now, the word dispute might be a big word for us to understand. So let me simplify it. Do we get irritated with each other? Some of you are smiling. Do we get angry with somebody in church? Do we find it difficult to talk to certain people? Do we look at certain people? Do we not look at certain people? That's the sign of disputes that's there amongst us. And how do we as a church... Visitors, how do you in your church, friends, how do we dispute or resolve disputes that are there amongst us? That is what I want each of us to look at when we study 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, we might pause and we might ask ourselves, why do I need to resolve disputes? Why? Why is it important for me as a born-again believer to resolve disputes? So, there are three things that I want to bring to your attention from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Three things as to why we need to resolve disputes that is there amongst us. Why we need to take care of the irritation that I have with you. Why is it that you and I find it easy to be at fault with one another? Reason number one. Listen carefully. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Reason number one. We need to resolve disputes because of who we actually are. That's reason number one. We need to resolve disputes because of who we are. Look at verse 1 to verse 5. Who are we, brothers and sisters, this morning? If any of you has a dispute with another, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? You know what Apostle Paul says? Apostle Paul says, we should resolve our disputes, our issues, our, our irritation with each other because of who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of, our, because of our standing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul is not talking about taking lawsuits to the court. He's talking about the fact as to why do we have to take it there in the first place. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. Why is it that you and I cannot resolve it here so that it is going up to the court? 
Don't you know who you are in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ? He says. Do you want to take a case? Do you want to take your irritation with each other to the court? To the unbelievers? The people of this world who live in darkness? Are we not people who live in light? And therefore can we not look at our issues in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is what Paul says, chapter 6 verses 1. Don't you dare take it to the people living in darkness. Because who are we? We are the people who live in light. We are people who are supposed to live in you look at verses 2 now. He says, don't you know that you the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are we not competent to judge trivial cases? Now listen, we are competent to judge trivial cases. You know what he's trying to say? He says, not that we are competent to file lawsuits, but as born again believers, we are competent to forgive. Yes or no? We are competent to love one another. We are competent to be merciful, be patient, not to blow it out of proportion. When we get irritated, we quieten ourselves and we tell ourselves, why do I get irritated with this particular person? Why is my ego being clashed? What, what is affecting my ego? Why do I find it difficult when a brother or a sister is encouraged, when they grow, when I am still in the same position? Am I not competent to deal with that in my own spiritual Christian life. You know, Apostle Paul says, we must resolve issues as born again believers and not as unbelievers. We must resolve issues as born again believers, not as how the world resolves their issue. And what should believers do? We should be forgiving. We should be loving, patient, kind, Maybe we should even take the time to sit down with the person and say, Listen, I am irritated with you. Would you help me out? But rather do we take it outside. Rather do we allow it to build deep down in our heart. So much so that when we come to church, we might not smile, we might shake. But deep down in our heart, we might be angry with each other. We must resolve issues because of who we are. Resolve issues with each other. As believers, not as unbelievers. Let's look at the example from Genesis. Adam, um, Cain and Abel, they tried to resolve their issue, right? But did they do it the Christian way? Well, you know, Cain started in the right way, right? He said, why don't we go to the field? And why don't we talk about it? And what happened when they could not resolve their issues as brothers? We know that the first murder had actually taken place. Let's look at another example. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 13. It's a beautiful example of the point that we are talking about. In Genesis chapter 13, and if you look at verses 7, Genesis chapter 13 and verses 7, and quarreling rose between Abraham's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abraham said to Lord, listen, let not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are, come on, louder, for we are, for we are brothers. There are people who watch us. We are brothers. And you know how they resolve their issues with each other? Just as how Christians would do. You know, this is what we are going to do. For your benefit and my benefit, why don't even you choose the land? And Lot turned his eyes and he saw the pastures. He saw the river and he said, I'll take that. 
And Abraham did not think about his ego or his wealth or his position. He did not want to have a quarrel with his brother. He said, if that is going to make you happy, let that be the case. And that quarrel resolved then and there. Does that make sense? Can we be like Abraham? Can we resolve issues that we have? Irritation that we have with each other? Just as our born again believers would do or are supposed to do. Let's tell each other, you know what? Probably it's because of my issue. Probably it's because of a sin that is there in me. Therefore, I'm not going to worry you about it. I am going to take care of it. And to help the betterment of the church, to help build the church of God, I would rather let go of my ego and be quiet and not trouble you or be angry with you for it. But I will learn to lay it aside because we are brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to learn to resolve issues just as our born-again believers would resolve issues. Come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You look at verses 3. Chapter 6 and verse 3. Do you not know that we will judge angels how much more the things of this life? Now notice that verse. You know, Apostle Paul six times in this chapter, he uses the phrase, do you not know? You look at verses 2, do you not know? Verses 3, do you not know? If you want to note it down, verses 9, do you not know? Verse 15, do you not know? Verse 16, do you not know? And verse 19, do you not know? Now let me ask you a question. When he was asking the believers at the church at Corinth, do you not know? Did they not know? They knew. So in fact, when he was saying, do you not know? He is not talking about the fact that they do not know, but they knew what they were supposed to do and still they were not willing to do it. That's why over six times in this chapter he says, don't you know these things, brothers and sisters? Don't you know, meaning, remember when I came here for a three-day Bible study? Remember how I spoke to you the gospel? I taught you from the word of God. Don't you know these things because I have already instructed these things to you? It's not that you don't know. You know that, but you are still not willing to act upon it. And that is so true in your case and my case many a times, right? We believers, we are so good with the word. We know we are supposed to forgive. We know we are supposed to be patient, kind, enduring, forgiving. We know these things. And the spirit of the Lord speaks to each of us and says, Don't you know, Jobin, that this is what you are supposed to do? And yet, why do we hesitate to do it? Don't you know? It's not that we do not know these things. But even in spite of the fact that we know, we still hesitate to act upon the law, the truth that the Lord has taught to us. If you turn your Bibles quickly to James chapter 4 and verse 17, James talks about the same thing. James chapter 4 verse 17. The person who knows the good he ought to do, but does not do it, what does he do? He commits. Louder, he commits. Anyone who knows the good he ought to do, but does not do it, he commits sin. So come back to Apostle Paul's letter. And that's what Apostle Paul says. As born again believers, the truth that we know that we ought to do, that we do not do, we are basically sinners. And just as James says, James says that if we keep the law and yet break one commandment, the word of God declares us to be lawbreakers. These are truths that we already know, brothers and sisters. We hear it week on week and yet how difficult it is for us to resolve issues 
with each other. Verse 3, chapter 6, verse 3 of 1 Corinthians. It says, Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, appoint as judge even men of little account in the church. We will judge angels, brothers and sisters. Now what is the meaning of that? One day when we stand in the presence of God, our salvation experience will be a judgment for the fallen angels. When God created the angels, the angels had a choice either to believe, uh, to, to follow God or to reject Him. There were those that chose to follow God who are the holy angels in His presence today. There are those who chose to reject Him who are put in the in the prison today, fallen angels and at the judgment seat, your salvation, my salvation will stand before the fallen angels and that salvation experience will condemn them to eternal damnation. Not only that, I want to remind all of us again of our standing that in heaven, we will be having a better position than the, say it loudly, than the, than the angels. That is who we actually are. We will have a better standing than the angels in heaven. And yet, how do we behave when we are in the church of God? We have a better standing than the holy angels. We will stand against judgment against the fallen angels. And all simply because we were created in God's image. We were created in God's likeness. We were saved by God on the cross of Calvary through the work of His Son. And you and I will enjoy eternal life. This is something the angels will never understand. And you and I will have that beautiful responsibility and position in heaven. Keeping that in mind, can we let go of our petty issues, our ego? Can we stop getting irritated with each other? Can we say, I'm willing to let that go because I'm a better person. I can do better. Man, I imagine my position in heaven and that is who God is preparing me to be to live in that presence. And if that is the case, how then should I behave while I am on this earth? Because we will judge the angels. We will stand in judgment against the fallen angels and we will be over the holy angels living in the presence of God. Because we are redeemed by Christ. We are called as the bride of Christ. For those of us who are married... Think about it, no? The day we men, we also got up early, right? We also took time to put on our suit. We also put, uh, took time to put on our tie. There was a cousin who put powder on our face, fastened our watch. But when we walked into the hall, did anybody stand up? <laughs> and as we came up to the front, there was a special announcement. For whom? For me? No. For my parents? No. Everyone said, let's turn our gaze to the... See, only the sisters are saying that. <laughs> Let's turn our attention to the bride. Brothers and sisters, let me ask all of us a question. Who is the bride? And who is the bridegroom? And isn't Christ supposed to get all the attention? And yet on that great wedding day, he will stand and he will wait for the church to come into his presence. And we will be married to him. Praise the Lord. And yet how you and I behave when we are in his church. On that wedding day, you and I will hold hands and swing hands and walk down the aisle and the Old Testament saints will applaud. And yet how you and I behave when it comes to petty issues within the church. 
You and I hold on to ego. You and I hold on to pride. You and I hold on to, to, to matters. Probably it's something that you said that I got irritated with, that I've kept it with me deep down in my heart for the last two years because of which I've never even spoken to you. That's not how we should behave, brothers and sisters, because that is not who we are. This is who we are. We are competent to be able to forgive. Love, be patient and kind. We are competent to be judge, to judge over the fallen angels and to be lords over the holy angels. And that is, who we will, that is who we are going to be. And if that is the case, how is it that you and I behave with each other when we are in the presence of God? Verse 5 and the last part. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? Are we not wise enough? If we are not wise enough, is there nobody else that could sit us down and talk to us or resolve issues between us? Imagine if we were open to correction. Imagine if we were open to correction. And if somebody to walk up to me and tell me something and I would listen. Imagine if you were open to correction and imagine if we could help each other and we had no issues with each other. Imagine how much more blessed, not that we are not, but how much more blessed we would live our lives as born-again believers. We need to resolve our disputes, number one, because of who we are. Number two, verses six to eight. We need to resolve our issues because of unbelievers that are there in our church. We need to resolve our issues with each other because of the world in the midst of whom we live. Verses 6 onwards. But instead, one brother goes to law against another and this in front of unbelievers. You know who watches us? There are those amongst us who are weak. There are those amongst us who still live in darkness. There are those amongst us who are not believers, who are not a part of the family of God. And then they watch me stand here and talk about God's love, God's patience, God's kindness. And they find that I'm impatient outside of the pulpit. They will not understand the meaning of the gospel. They will not understand what it means to love one another. And you and I need to resolve issues and not have issues because of the unbelievers in our church. Because of the people that are outside of our church. Verse 7, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have completely being defeated already. Why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be cheated? Instead you yourselves cheat and do wrong and you do this to your brothers. You know, brothers and sisters, if we have issues with each other, let's be aware of how we resolve our disputes, how we take care of our irritation. Why? Because there are those that are actually watching us. You remember that, that verse that Jesus himself spoke of in, in John chapter, John's Gospel chapter 13? Verse 39 and 40 says, A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. We know that verse very well. What does the next verse say? By this all will know that you are my disciples by the way you. Come on, only a few people. Louder. The, by this the whole world will know that you are my disciple by the way you love one another. Not by the way you preach. Not by your head knowledge or your bank balance. But the world, the unbelievers, people in our church who struggle in their faith will know I am a child of God by the way I love one another. And you look at the context of John's Gospel chapter 13. Jesus is going to die. He's going to go to the cross. It's probably his last team meeting with his disciples. So before he goes, he gets Peter. He gets Matthew. He gets Thomas. And he says, guys, I want to tell you one thing. 
As I go to the cross and as I leave you and as I go, I have a commandment that I want to give you. It's not a new commandment. It's a commandment that's mentioned in the Old Testament, but I'm restating for your benefit. Love one another as I have loved you. He tells Peter, Peter, listen, you get angry very fast. When I'm not there, I want you to love Matthew, the tax collector. Don't pinpoint his faults. Guys, guys, I want you to be patient with Thomas. You know, from now on, he's going to say, unless he puts his hand here, unless he puts his hand there, that's okay. Be patient with him. You know, guys, when you learn to love one another, the world will know that you are my disciple. Because they will turn to you and they will say, how is it possible for this community to love each other? How is it possible for this community to be at peace with each other? They are different. And I want to know what makes them different. But then you and I, many a times we are like Peter. Because as soon as Jesus finishes his PPT, Peter says, Jesus, I have a question for you. And then Jesus wipes his tear and says, what is it, my son? He says, where are you going? And Jesus says, forget about where I'm going. You listen to it. No, no, this is very easy for me to do. You tell me where you are going. I'm interested in that. No, I'm going to die on the cross. <laughs> die on the cross? You can't do that. Peter, you don't know the plan of God. Jesus, what are you talking about? You know, if you die, I'm, I'm willing to do that. This is the easiest thing to do, to love one another. And I want to take it one step further to say that I will die for him. What did Jesus say? Jesus says, you know, even before the cock crows, you will deny me thrice. That's the example of our hearts, right? We are not interested in what Jesus is trying to get the point across. We are interested more on the other things. Jesus says, do the simple things. Love one another because I have loved you. If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, quickly turn to me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, And verse 24, but if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all. If we come together as a church and if there is no ego, if there is love, then when we preach from the pulpit, when we talk about the love of God, the the unbeliever will understand. And the word of God, the work of the Holy Spirit will convict him. And we will be able to lead him into the way of salvation because of the pattern of life that you and I have laid before him. Let's resolve our issues with each other, brothers and sisters, because of those that are unbelievers in our church, because of those who are not part of the family of God, because they watch us and they're trying to understand what we mean when we say that we need to love one another. How do we resolve our issues? Can I take a minute and talk about husbands and wives? How do we resolve our issues? You know, when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and when you talk about how to resolve our issues, there is this beautiful line. There it says, love keeps, let's say it. All the singles, you can practice it now. Love keeps no record of. That's how we resolve our issues with each other. Not that when we get irritated with each other, we talk about something that happened. Kishore, you agree with me? Not something that happened five years back. That's not how we resolve our issues. But we tell each other that it's okay. My book has been wiped clean. Is that how we resolve issues? When I get irritated with you, when you get irritated with me, is that how we resolve issues? 
let's resolve issues number 1 because of who we are we are much more competent brothers and sisters let's revolve, resolve issues because of the unbelievers number 3 let's resolve issues simply because of what god has done for us let's resolve issues simply because of what god has done for us verses 9 to verse 11 can somebody read that verse for me quickly loudly first corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 to 11 yes La- Oh church let's resolve our issues simply because of what god has done for us you know when i think about how we can hold on to our ego how we can let disputes go out of its way if that was the case imagine what god should have done to us yes now some of you don't understand let me back up a little bit and let me start from the book of genesis and talk to you about the story of creation you know when god created man and woman he created them with the single purpose to enjoy fellowship and friendship god would walk with adam and eve into the garden and god would show adam and eve all that he created for them all that they had to do was obey his commandments but did they obey did they commit sin and the bible says that because of the disobedience of one man all of us born through that one man adam became born as sinners a dispute arose over there a dispute arose so much that god chased adam and eve from the garden of eden but he never banished them from his presence and even though god's heart was aching when man committed sin when woman committed sin even when he knew that everybody going to be born through them will be born as sinners he had already fashioned the plan of salvation you and i are not sinners because of what we do we are sinners because that is how we are born and the bible very clearly states in romans chapter 3 verse 23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of and that is who we were but god made the way of salvation and the way of salvation was the lord jesus christ jesus came into this world simply to die for your sin and my sin and that is the table that is what we partook of if you have not partaken of the table i want to ask you why is it because you don't have a relationship with the lord yet then listen very carefully to what i want to tell you because i want to share the gospel those who have not become a part in the parcel of god's family are called wicked they are called unbelievers and that is what we read in verse 9 do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of god do you not know therefore do not be deceived and look at the sin that is mentioned there neither the immoral idolaters adulterers prostitutes homosexual thieves greedy drunkards slanderers swindlers those who are born in sin who continue to live in sin and who will one day die in their sin will never inherit the kingdom of god i'm not making it up the scripture is very very clear my dear friends if there's any of you still living in darkness if there's any of you who fooled yourself into thinking that you come from a christian home you have a christian name you follow ideologies 
if you understand right now in the light of the scripture that you are born as a sinner that you are still living in sin i want to warn you that if you die you will not inherit the kingdom of god but we believers also should not forget because the next verse says and this is what some of you were all of us who have committed this sin can we all raise our hands all of us who are guilty of this sin once upon a time in our life can we raise our hand yes let us not forget that we were also swindlers prostitutes homosexuals and probably we've committed these sins in our minds in our actions and we were also not part and the parcel of the kingdom of god this is who we once were interesting right when apostle paul starts the letter he starts by saying this is who you are but remember who you are today is because of who you once this is where you came from and this is who you are today and then you look at the beautiful message of the gospel and that is what some of you were but you were washed <laughs> you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the lord jesus christ and by the spirit of our god There are three things that I want to quickly mention over there. It says three actions. We were washed, and the washing is the action of the work of the Holy Spirit. Washing is the act of the Holy Spirit. If you quickly turn to Titus chapter three verses five, Titus chapter three and verses five, Titus chapter three and verses five. There it says, "He saved us not because." of the righteous thing we have done but because of his mercy he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the holy spirit that is how we were washed you know those who are born in sin and those who are living in sin all that they need to do is ask the holy spirit to come inside and the holy spirit will come and wash you of your sins and the moment the holy spirit comes into your life he will live in your heart and cleanse you from all sins that is why apostle paul says we have been washed number 2 we have been sanctified that is the work of the son we have been sanctified by the work of the son look at first corinthians chapter 1 verses 2 chapter 1 verses 2 to the church of god in corinth to those sanctified in christ jesus and called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our lord jesus christ their lord and ours we have been sanctified of our sins and number 3 it says we have been justified you were justified in the name and that is the work of the father if you turn to romans chapter 8 let's just read that verse also romans chapter 8 and verse 33 romans chapter 8 and verse 33 who will bring any charge against those whom god has chosen it is god who justifies and justification simply means we stand at the cross that god the father looks at us through his son the lord jesus christ and by the work of the holy spirit we have been washed we have been sanctified and we stand justified and you know my dear friends this is the gospel message there is no other easy way to say this yes it is true that you were born as a sinner yes it is true that you live in sin yes it is true that if you die in your sin without remorse you will not be a part and a parcel of the kingdom of god but If you right now turn your heart away from sin and you look at the cross the assurance that I give you from the scriptures is that the spirit will wash you that you will be sanctified by the son and the lord our heavenly father will justify you and declare you to be clean 
The scripture says, listen carefully, to those who call on the name of the Lord, to them, I give them the privilege to be called His children. And I wonder if there is anybody sitting here right now. Do you know that if you have not resolved your issue, God has a dispute with you. And there is nobody who can help you. If you've realized that you are a sinner and you need to receive the Lord Jesus, all you need to do, wherever you are seated, just open your heart. Tell the Lord Jesus Christ that you are sorry, that you are a sinner, that you believe in your heart that God died for your sins on the cross and you will become your, his child. And I want to encourage you, if there's anybody, would you please do that? And would you stay back after church and would you come and talk to us so that we can pray with you and we can help you in your relationship with the Lord? Those of us who are on the bright side of life, who are living in the light, who call ourselves born-again believers, what about our relationship with each other? I've made this statement before, I just want to repeat it again. We know the statement that says, living with the saints in heaven, oh, that is glory. But living with the same saints on the earth, that is another story. And is that true of you and me? Do we have issues with each other? Do we get easily irritated, my dear brothers and sisters? Is it because of my ego or probably a sin that is there in my life that I am not willing to resolve with and I want you to be okay with? No, let's resolve our disputes. Why? Because of who we are. We are competent. We are greater than the holy angels. We will judge the evil angels. We have been saved by Christ. This is who we are in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because we are citizens of heaven, can we consider these petty issues just as they are. And learn to let go of our ego. And learn to be one with each other in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or why don't we sit with each other down. And say I have an issue with me. Why don't you sit with me and tell me your issue that you have with me. Because if you don't tell me. How would I know? Let's not take it outside. Let's not wash dirty linen. We can do it in the comfort of our rooms. And if we need we can get someone's help. We could even ask our elders to sit with us and pray. We need to resolve our issues because there are people who watch us. There are unbelievers in our church. There are those who are living in darkness and there are those who see us boasting about love, patience and kindness. And they want to see those verbs in action. Let's be very careful that they observe us. And we need to show them that we are the disciples by the way we love one another. Let's resolve our disputes because of what God has done for us. Brothers and sisters, if anybody has to have an issue with us, it is not you. It should be. And yet how merciful God is to me. And yet how much God loved me on the cross of Calvary. And yet what he did for me. By the work of the spirit and through his son. By which I was washed, sanctified and justified at the cross of Calvary. Can I ask everybody just to take a minute to close your eyes and bow your head. Everybody. Just close your eyes and bow your head. The reason I ask you to close your eyes is so that each of us can examine our own lives right now. Please don't examine my life while I will not examine yours. I want each of us to examine our own life. As singles, as husbands and wives, as fathers and mothers, as leaders in the church, as an assembly, visitors, you too. All of us who are born again. Do we not know what the scriptures tells us? This is not something new. This is something that we've heard so many times. And yet we fail to practice. Are you irritated with me? Do I get easily irritated with you? 
Do we not know that we are supposed to resolve our issues and not take it outside the church wall? Why should I resolve my issues? Because of who we are, brothers and sisters. We are better than this. We can do better. We can be better. We can stop frowning and complaining. And if you and I are struggling right now, can we take it to the foot of the cross? Can we tell the Lord, I am sorry that I find it so easy to get angry at my wife, that I get, find it so easy to get angry at my children, that my relationship with my singles is not good, that I find it easy to point fingers at people, that many times I have a fake smile. Lord, I am sorry. Would you please forgive me? Brothers and sisters, can I remind us in the light of the scriptures, we need to resolve issues because there are those who watch us, those that cleanly observe our attitude when it comes to love, patience and kindness. We need to resolve our issues because what God has done for us stands supreme. He never counts our sin. He never counts our sin. You know... (laughs) It's easy for us to preach this and therefore I want each of us believers to take a minute and pray and ask the Lord for grace. Shall we ask the Lord for grace and strength in our marriage, in our relationship with each other, in our responsibilities, probably in our workplace with our boss to resolve disputes just as how believers would. And my dear friend, probably you're visiting us for the first time. You've been here a couple of times. And I don't know if the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to your heart, but if it is, would you open your heart and respond? If there's anybody sitting here who has not yet received the Lord Jesus, can I invite you to do that? Wherever you are seated, all you need to do is take a minute and open your heart and say, Lord, I am sorry. I know I am a sinner. I know that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you as my personal Lord and Savior. We will pray and close, but before we do that, I want each of us to take a minute to pray. And whatever is there in our heart, let us set things right with God. And then we will pray and close. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you have forgiven us. Thank you that we are blood-bought children because of the work on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that the Spirit has washed us clean that the Son has sanctified us and continues to sanctify us. And thank you, Lord, that you justified us. We stand before your throne as forgiven and there is now no condemnation for us. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. And Lord, just as how much we understand that you are a true and an awesome and a great God, we often forget that we are also created in your image and how we treat each other is a reflection of how we treat you. And we confess that we have fallen. We are sorry. Forgive us. Give us the strength to love each other. Give us the strength to resolve our issues. Give us the strength to not hold on to our ego. But like Abraham to say, let's let it go because we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let us be patient to sit with one another. Be willing to listen to the faults that people bring out in our lives. And be willing to make changes. And not to think that we are far greater. Father, I want to pray for my dear friends who have not yet accepted you. I pray that the work of the Spirit would work in their heart to convict them and they will freely receive the gospel. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the hope they had, we have in you. We thank you for hearing our prayer. And Lord, if you are to return today, what a joy. What a joy for us to be reunited with you. But Lord, if you are to tarry, enable us to remember that in heaven we will be together and if we can't look at each other's face here, how then can we live in eternity? And enable us to examine our lives in the light of what we heard today. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer.
We love you so much for who you are and for what you have done for us. All this we ask in the name of our soon coming Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ.